Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode is always brought to you by TheraOne's Sunday Ticket and Bet Online. Check out those ads throughout the show. Day four of Detroit Lions training camp, at least the practices we're able to watch, is in the books. It's done. And yesterday, if you remember, I was talking a lot about how the offense seemed much further along than the defense over the first week of practice and why that shouldn't be a surprise. And it really should only be a concern if the defense didn't have a good day or two before, say, the end of next week or the end of when we're going to be able to see every practice. Well, those concerns are over. And let's start right here, which is the defense had a really good day. The best day that they've had that I've seen so far this camp, and it wasn't even close. Matthew Stafford got picked twice. Now, he would contend one of those picks later on when he talked with the media. He said that the interception he threw to Jeff Okuda, yes, Jeff Okuda ran with the first team on Friday and he got an interception, actually came on a free play because of an offsides call. So don't necessarily count that. But Amani Awarie also picked Stafford off really cleanly on a great ball that he broke on. And beyond that, all three quarterbacks struggled at points. The entire offense had to run during one team session, at least the guys on the field. And that was led by Chase Daniel at that point because of just a complete mess of a play that led to a fumbled snap and a turnover. And it it was just a nightmare. And beyond that... The defensive line really started getting pressure for the first time. And you just saw over and over again more and more defensive players showing up, especially some of the younger players, which has been a theme really throughout, I think, this week. And sure, some of it is interest in the rookies, intrigue in the rookies, but they've also been the ones making the plays. And they've also been the ones that have been standing out, except for Stafford and Galladay. And Marvin Jones. It's been a lot of first and second year players. And I think that's potentially a good thing for the Lions. Now, remember, take that with a grain of salt, a giant, massive grain of salt, because we don't know how good or bad this Lions team actually is going to be or is 
mostly because they won't go up against anybody else until the season opener. So while you're seeing all of this and hearing all of this, understand it's really against competition that they only have there. So sure, the offense may look really good, but maybe that just means the defense is really bad. And maybe, it, or maybe it means the defense is actually pretty good and the offense might be stellar or, you know, the offense might not be that bad at all. And the defense might just be catching up. So all of those things are possible. And just keep that in mind whenever you're reading any sort of observations is that unlike in prior years where we've had joint practices to base things off of, we've had preseason games to make some observations out of, none of that exists this year. It's all Lions versus Lions. And in the offense's case, it's a lot of guys who are familiar with each other and a lot of guys who are familiar with the defense that they are facing going against a defense that a lot of the players are new and don't maybe understand the offense that they're facing quite as much. So just keep that in mind. With that said, the guy who really stood out the most to me today actually was on offense, and that was Taylor Decker. Uh, Taylor Decker, we haven't really talked about him much on the podcast so far, but he has gone every day in individuals, offensive line versus defensive line drill, and, and that's really one of the better places to get a true grasp of what's going on there against Trey Flowers. It, it reminds me very much of the old Riley Reef Ezekiel Alonso battles back in Jim Schwartz's time and in early Jim Caldwell eras in this drill, and those would be what you wanted to watch. And you'd sometimes want to watch Sue go against the interior linemen, and sometimes Sue versus Raiola would be super fun to watch because both of those guys could really get after it. But in really watching Taylor Decker go up against Trey Flowers, Taylor Decker has been exceptionally good. He's been matched up against Trey Flowers every rep, and Trey Flowers, in the three days that I have watched, the first day I watched more 7-on-7 seven seven to really look at Okuda and see how Stafford was doing, but the last three days, Flowers has tied one rep with Decker based off of my calculations, and he's won one rep. Other than that, Taylor Decker has stood him up every single time. And sometimes, Decker would get back in his set, Flowers would rush into him, and Literally, Taylor Decker would not move, and Trey Flowers would just be trying and trying and couldn't get anywhere. So, if I'm the Lions, I'm feeling really good about Taylor Decker. If I'm Taylor Decker, I'm feeling really good about the situation. Also, because I'm in a contract year, he's talked about that, that you know he doesn't know what's going to happen when it comes to that. He thought maybe he had an idea, then COVID hit. So... For the Lions right now, where offensive line is maybe the biggest question in your offense, that Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, who's been awesome this entire camp, but that Taylor Decker is really playing well and holding his own against a guy who's considered one of the better pass rushers in the league in Trey Flowers, I think is a really good sign for the offensive line. So to me, I will give, even on a day that was more defensive heavy, I would give Taylor Decker the player of the day and maybe one of the early players of the week when it comes to training camp. We'll be back right after this with some injury news potentially and a whole bunch more observations from Friday at Detroit Lions practice. 
Tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging is simply making it through each busy day and we've all got them. Everyone understands what it's like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from Thera One and their CBD products. It was started by Jason Worsland, and if that name sounds familiar to you, he's the guy who created Theragun, which is super popular in NBA and NFL locker rooms. He saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, so he created Thera One to bring you the CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. Thera One tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the United States, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Now through Labor Day, which is Monday, September 7th, Thera One is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all Thera One products, but you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from Thera One, send it back. You get a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something that Thera One is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. It's less than a month away now. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. So if you're out in Los Angeles or in Seattle and you want to watch the Lions, this is how you do it. Plus, they have Red Zone, DirecTV, Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Now, back to our show. So, we'll start the post-break section of this podcast with talking a little bit about injuries and that... They might be starting to pile up a little bit. And, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago, or I guess a week and a half ago now, maybe a little bit, about the defensive line and how they were really thin at defensive end because they had Romeo Aquara out and Austin Bryant out and didn't really know what that was going to look like. Well, now they're starting to maybe feel it at running back. And they have a little bit more depth there, but Bo Scarborough did not practice on Thursday, he did not practice on Friday. It's not clear what's going on there. DeAndre Swift, the rookie was looked so good in pass catching drills, did not practice Friday. And it looked like he had tweaked something. It wasn't clear whether it was a quad or hamstring. On Thursday, during practice, he did some stuff while practice was going on, but then obviously wasn't out there on Friday, and as we're continuing to talk about the offense, Marvin Hall left practice early. He was walking to the locker room. wasn't clear what he had done. I had didn't see anything that stood out, but toward the end of practice, he was walking to the locker room with the staffer, and that's generally not a great sign. The Lions also got a scare from Jeff Okuda, who landed awkwardly after trying to dive to break up a pass during 11-on-11. And he got shaken up a little bit, had to sit off on the side for a little while, but he put his helmet back on and finished the rest of practice. He made it sound when he talked to the media on Friday after practice that it wasn't anything to be too concerned about. But that's going to be something to monitor as the next couple of days go because it's still training camp. And if there are any lingering effects, maybe you sit him down for a day or two just to let him fully heal. Because right now in August, you don't need some guys you're going to count on banged up at all and as far as the injuries go 
Matt Patricia said that, yeah, listen, they're trying to manage workload, which should not be surprising when it comes to running backs specifically because he tries to do that even in the regular season. So they're trying to manage carries. They're trying to manage workload. But I don't wouldn't necessarily think that that is why guys aren't out at practice at all because with other positions, and there's no reason to think it wouldn't happen with running backs, guys like Desmond Trufant go through individual drills and then they didn't do anything with team drills, which is how Jeff Okuda ended up with the first team for the first time on Friday. So just a little bit of injury stuff there when it comes to the running backs. Hopefully going to try and get more information on what's going on with both of those guys here in the next day or so. As far as for the running backs they have, Jonathan Williams could be a guy to watch. And he's a guy they signed last week. He's out of Arkansas and he's looked, come in, looked really good right away. And he's a guy that frankly, if Bo Scarborough can't get back super fast, he could come in and really push for a spot. Ty Johnson's gotten a lot of work and he didn't have the best day today. Again, a lot of the guys in the offense were a little bit off, it seemed like. And that's something to consider as well. But Carryon Johnson seemed fine. He didn't do a ton. It seemed like it was a lot of Jonathan Williams and Ty Johnson, at least to me. Uh, on only really got in with the first unit. The other guy is Jason Huntley. We talked a little bit about him on yesterday's podcast. Not the best day for Jason Huntley. Just it really wasn't. He they really did, they did live punting for the first time, which they have to do because they're trying to figure out who their punter is going to be, whether it's Aaron Sipos or Jack Fox, and. Huntley was back there with Danny Amendola and Jamal Agnew feeling punts, and he lost two punts. He just muffed two of the two of his attempts, and they only attempted between six and eight punts total. So it didn't really go well at all for Jason Huntley in his first real go back there. And considering he's competing for that job with Jamal Agnew. Uh, Jamal Agnew might have gotten a, a good little bit of a leg up in that battle just based off of that. And, you know, obviously when I saw that with Jason Huntley, I immediately thought back to Amir Abdullah and some of the struggles he had. Now, I'm not making that comparison at all, but just it's going to be something to watch with how Jason Huntley handles things from here on out and how many more opportunities he gets to show that he can handle returns because that was one of the big things that was really enticing about him coming out of New Mexico State was his return ability as a kick returner and punt returner. But if he can't secure the ball, that's going to be a problem for Matt Patricia and for the Lions, especially when you have a guy who was an all-pro in Jamal Agnew. Speaking of Agnew, he has looked really good every day in camp. Like I said, on what was a rough day, I think, for the offense overall, He looked pretty sharp and, again, handled punt returns pretty well. He was getting looked at at one point on the sidelines as well, but he came back in, so that's going to be another guy injury-wise to monitor. But he's showing every day a little bit more and more why he could absolutely end up on this team and maybe even play a role as a receiver. And I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday. If you have Agnew and Huntley and Swift on the field at the same time in a third down situation, that's going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses. And yeah, I mean, Jamal Agnew's got the speed. He's one of the fastest guys on the team. 
and he's got the return skills. We all know that. So it's been interesting to watch him slowly start to put this together here as it has gone on. Also, since we're talking about position switch guys, Jason Cabinda worked at fullback for the second straight day. Even though he's still got number 53, it looks like at least for right now, they're going to really try him there. We'll see how long that lasts. So I said, obviously, the defense had a good day. We talked about the interception Amani Awarie had where he really had a great cut and just it was a really really beautiful cut that he made in 11 on 11 drills and he Stafford was throwing to Galladay and it was a great break by Awarie he just cut in front of him picked it off and that was one of Stafford's last throws of the day the other interception was as I described kind of at the top Free play that Stafford had that Jeff Okuda stayed step for step, stride for stride with Marvin Jones. And in those situations, Marvin Jones usually wins that. Deep balls, high pointed, like that's Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. But in this instance, Marvin Jones, that's where he makes his money. That's where he has been so dynamic for the Lions since he signed here. And Jeff Okuda read it. He adjusted. He got in front of him. And he picked it off. It was a great interception. Matthew Stafford, I think, again, because it's practice, because it was a free ball, he actually said he was happy for Jeff Okuda to be able to do that and that he was really glad to see that because it shows that Jeff Okuda is sticking with the play. We're going to have more about Jeff Okuda in a story on Monday. But Jeff Okuda, as we've talked about a little bit, and we'll get into him a little bit more here because he talked today and he was pretty open about stuff. He's been trying to learn as much as he can from the defensive backs and from the quarterbacks. He actually mentioned Chase Daniel by name, but also from Marvin Jones and from Kenny Galladay. They will often pull him aside and explain some stuff, little tips here and there, telling him, hey, listen, this is what we see from defensive backs generally that he had never thought about, meaning Okuda, before that. So it's a different type of education that Jeff Okuda is getting right now. And he's very much a guy that has spent a lot of time studying the game. I remember back when he was drafted, I talked with a couple of his college coaches, including Jeff Halfley from Boston College and Kerry Coombs, who's Braden Coombs' dad at Ohio State. And they both talked about how much he studied. And Halfley in particular was telling me the story of how they would have movie night for the defense or sometimes the whole team or the defensive backs. And there were two people who didn't watch the movie. It was Halfley and it was Jeff Okuda. And they would be in the back talking about receivers or defensive backs or strategy. Like that's just who Jeff Okuda is. So that he's learning stuff from Jones and from Galladay can only benefit him down the road. He's had an up and down first week of camp. He, he did. He's really struggled in individual drills, especially when he was matched up with Galladay. But as the week went on, you saw more and more little flashes of what he can do. On Thursday, we talked about how he had a diving pass breakup, and he was a little bit stickier in individual coverage. Today, or Friday rather, he had the interception, free play or not. He had another really nice pass breakup on Kenny Galladay that uh, Matthew Stafford described. He actually, like I said, there was a scare, but he showed his athleticism with able to being able to dive. The pass was well and complete, probably didn't need to dive to try and break up a pass that didn't look like it was going to be complete to Danny Amendola anyway, but he's just showing those instincts and that athleticism, which enticed the Lions to make him the number three pick in the draft. 
if he keeps moving at this level, I think by week one he'll be ready to go. Now, of course, the Lions may not actually need him to be ready to go right away because Amani Awarie is having a good camp, and they paid Desmond Trufant a whole boatload of money. He's a former pro bowler, and yeah, I, I can see situation where maybe Amani Awarie holds Jeff Okuda off for a week or two, but I, I wouldn't count on that but it's a good problem to have for the lions where they can sit there and say all right they feel comfortable about three pretty high level or potentially high level or at least above average outside cornerbacks i I don't know the last time that i felt like i could say that about the lions uh, just because they haven't had it that third cornerback has always been a question and then obviously they've had major injury issues the last couple of years So you can never really say that beyond Darius Slay and the spot opposite Slay was kind of a rotational thing for a while between Nevin Lawson and Deshaun Shedd and last year Rashawn Melvin. So they haven't really had, I think, this group of players that maybe they could count on on as outside corners in a long time. Obviously, they still have Justin Coleman in the slot and he has he's looked pretty good during camp as well. He's had a couple of rough moments, but. You know, it's just something to think about and consider when you're looking at this team. So let's go through a few other observations that I had today on Friday. In the running back, linebacker drills, which has been really fun to watch. Uh, Ty Johnson really got the best of everybody. And I would say if one thing really stands out, part of why Ty Johnson has gotten the best of people in this drill is when he's matched up against Jared Davis. Jared Davis is a problem. In coverage and not a good problem for the Lions. It's a problem as in he he's always struggled to cover and that has been continually consistent throughout this camp. DeAndre Swift has made him look silly at times. Ty Johnson beat him on both reps. They went up against each other on Friday and it really has seemed like it doesn't necessarily matter who the running back is. They're going to beat Jared Davis and it's not necessarily going to be close. Very few Linebackers to me won reps uh, in this drill on Friday. Jelani Tavai won a rep. Uh, Anthony Pittman won a rep. But that was against Jason Cabinda. And I just don't know if you can really count that because Cabinda is still learning this position. Um, they actually were lining up guys out wide a little bit. And Jamie Collins versus on Johnson was actually really interesting. I felt like they tied on one. And then Collins really got the best of on on another one. Looking over at the tight ends and safeties, which is where you really saw Tracy Walker stand out. Walker did that again. He had great coverage on a play on Jesse James. He had great coverage where he jammed up TJ Hawkinson for an incomplete pass and it wasn't even close. Uh, Tracy Walker is going to be a player this year. Now, interestingly enough, they actually ran him with the second team again. They ran Will Harris and Deron Harmon with the first team in team exercises. Uh, at this point, I think we'll probably ask Matt Patricia about that today to find out what's maybe going on there. But Tracy Walker, if he's not a starter, I don't really know what's going on because Tracy Walker has been fantastic for the Lions every day in practice that I've seen so far. His coverage has been really good. And over and over again, he's just making plays. Hunter Bryant, the undrafted rookie tight end out of Washington, he ended up in my notebook a couple of times, thought he had a pretty good couple of reps. He beat Will Harris on a rep. He beat Bobby Price on a rep. 
Uh, Bobby Price beat him on a later rep, but you can see the receiving talent from Hunter Bryant, which could be exciting for the Lions, uh, especially because Isaac Nada, I haven't seen do much of anything yet. And while there are different types of tight ends, if Hunter Bryant can block it all, and that's still up for debate, I guess, um, he's got a real shot to maybe be that third tight end on the team. And, you know, maybe a guy that you can start developing to maybe be that number two tight end behind TJ Hawkinson. And that would give the Lions two really good pass catching tight ends when it comes down to it. Uh, I didn't catch a ton of the wide receiver defensive back drills today, but as we were talking about Jamal Agnew before, Stafford threw an amazing pass. To me, it was probably the best pass Stafford threw all day to Jamal Agnew over Tracy Walker. Tracy Walker's coverage was very good in this play. It was a one-on-one drill. I mean, the coverage was right there, but Stafford threw Jamal Agnew open. It was on a deep route. Agnew made a really good catch, again, on a fly route. And that's the type of play that Stafford's been making the majority of camp, again, other than the couple of interceptions that he threw. But it's the type of plays that Agnew has been making all camp as well. And as part of why we were talking about earlier, I think Agnew's getting to have a real shot here potentially as uh, a wide receiver. Uh, when they went to team drills, we talked a bit about the interceptions. But there was one play that stood out to me that I made sure to write down my notes. I made a couple of stars next to it. Marvin Hall, I think most people consider the fastest receiver they have. Certainly, they're one of their primary deep threats. He looked like he was wide open and completely loose. Matthew Stafford threw a ball that looked to be on time. Maybe it was hung up a little too much. But Deron Harmon came out of nowhere, came out of basically center field and timed it perfectly, broke up the pass, made contact with Hall after he broke up the pass, so completely legit there. It was a really, really good, smart play by Deron Harmon. That's why the Lions signed Deron Harmon is for plays like that. And that was, I think, the best play I've seen him make in the first four days of practice was that one right there, but showed his range, and he followed it up again by being around the ball on a couple of other plays, breaking up passes, or basically being right there when a guy caught the ball. I don't want to bag on Jared Davis too much because he did have some decent plays as well, especially in the team drills. He got a sack on Matthew Stafford. It wasn't clear who was supposed to be blocking. It might have been Jonah Jackson. uh, And that was really one of the few bad plays Jonah Jackson has had through the first four days. I asked uh, Matt Patricia about this rotation, quote unquote, that Jonah Jackson is supposed to be in, but he's taken every rep at right guard so far. And Patricia said that Jonah Jackson's getting an extended look when I asked him whether this was just an extended look or if he's really solidified this job. He said it's an extended look and that they've moved this rotation that you guys know my feelings, y'all know my feelings about this rotation that they're trying to maybe possibly maybe not run on the left side. They've moved it over there, but I haven't really seen that either because it's been majority of time Joe Dahl in at left guard. So Take all of what Matt Patricia is saying with a grain of salt and take what you're seeing on the field where they're not trying to waste reps or waste time as the real truth here when it comes to that. Chase Daniel had a couple nice plays here and there, but nothing really to write home about. Uh, David Blau, I'll tell you this about David Blau. I don't know if he's going to make this team. The Lions obviously hope he doesn't get in a single snap this year. Probably hope he's not active for a single game. But 
he can throw a really nice deep ball once or twice a practice. I write down like, man, that was a great deep throw. Today it was to Chris Lacey. I know, shocker, possibly a play of the day. He just threw it perfectly. He threw it over D-Virgin, and it was a great deep ball. Like David Blau, I, he's a smaller guy, and you know we all saw what he could do and what he maybe can't do and some of his limitations in the second half of the season, but he really does have a great deep ball that he can hit with some accuracy. It was really impressive. He did have a couple plays where he likely would have gotten sacked. The, sta- the Jared Davis sack would have been on Matthew Stafford, but... You had Reggie Ragland come in and basically would have been a combined sack with Frank Heron on one play. Like I said, the defense was much more active. The other guy I want to point out, and we'll end it on this today, is Julian Oquara. I felt like he was incredibly active throughout the day. It didn't seem like many people could block him, period. In my notes, he had at least one sack, and... His brother, Romeo Aquara, also had a good day. He recovered a fumble, like I talked about, where the whole offense had to run once. That was off of that play. He was able to get there and pounce on that fumble. But Julian Aquara showed really good acceleration. He showed good instincts in one-on-one drills. He showed he was able to beat the guys he was lined up against. He lined up against a couple of different guys. He's a, he's a good player, and I don't think anyone questioned that, but you're starting to see some of the rookies get more comfortable, and he's among them, and we haven't talked a ton about him before now, but he's going to be somebody to watch off of the edge. The Lions really like to see him line him up maybe on both edges and, and kind of see what happens and stand him up, put his hand in the ground, and kind of use him as almost a movable linebacker chess piece, similar to, I think, how they're going to try to use Jamie Collins. So that's about it. For today, one last thing, if you didn't see it, Matthew Stafford and his wife Kelly gave $1.5 million to the University of Georgia on Friday. Some of that was known before, $350,000 to start a social justice justice initiative. The rest of that money, it's not sure exactly how it's going to be broken up. Some of it's going to go to scholarships for people who can't afford to attend Georgia, even with Pell Grants. And then the other part of that money is some of it's going to the football program. Some of it's going to the cheerleading program. Stafford obviously was with the football program. Kelly Stafford, then Kelly Hall, was a cheerleader. So the Staffords gave a pretty large donation to the University of Georgia. And when Matthew Stafford was talking about it, especially the social justice point of it and some of the inequality points of it, he, he mentioned twice that it's just a start. So it'll be interesting to see what Matthew Stafford ends up doing down the road because this, to me, in the last five or so months has been the most active Matthew Stafford has been publicly with talking about social justice issues, about voting, and just being willing to put himself out there. He's done it a little bit in the past with the Safe Play Center in Detroit, but I think Matthew Stafford's done it a lot more over the last few months. I want to thank my sponsors, as always, for this show Bet Online, Thera One, NFL Sunday Ticket, Regents Field, which is in downtown Ann Arbor. Go check them out. They actually have an NBA Jam arcade console inside the bar, so you can play that there now. I spotted that when I was walking by the other day. And Blue Wire for hosting this podcast, as always. My producer, David Woodley. Many thanks to him. Follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist, and we will chat with you again tomorrow.
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's the NBA and the NHL, too. Unfortunately, the Calgary Flames are out of the playoffs after a 7-3 loss late Thursday night. But there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ, Big game Bob Ori. See what they had to say on what the what it'll be like playing without fans. And by the way, the Lions will now have their first two games without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE from BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 